11, Hebrews chapter 11. We are going to begin in verse 30. You there? Good. You follow along as I read aloud. Hebrews 11.30. By faith, the walls of Jericho fell down after they were compassed about seven days. By faith. The harlot Rahab perished not with them that believed not when she had received the spies with peace. And what shall I more say? For time would fail me to tell of Gideon, his 300 men, of Barak and Deborah, and of Samson, and of Jephthah, of David also, and Samuel, and of the prophets, who through faith subdued kingdoms, wrought righteousness, obtained promises, stopped the mouths of lions, quenched the violence of fire, escaped the edge of the sword, out of weakness were made strong, waxed valiant in fight, turned to flight the armies of the aliens. Women received their dead, raised to life again. And we'll pause there. You say, Brother Casey, that's right in the middle of the verse. I know. But we're going to pause there for now. Verse 30. By faith the walls of Jericho fell down. That's a whole sermon by itself. Here's Joshua who is now the new leader. The children of Israel. He's 80 years old. Moses, the man who that Joshua served all those years in what wilderness, is now dead. And God has told Joshua, I want you to be the leader. And Joshua, man, he doesn't know. I mean, it, it, there is hesitancy in his mind. However, God tells him, very specifically, be strong and of good courage. As I was with Moses, I will be with you. And then he goes on and says, This book of the law shall not depart out of thy mouth, but thou shalt meditate therein day and night, that thou mayest observe to do according to all that is written therein. For then thou shalt make thy way prosperous, and then thou shalt have good success. And again, he tells it, be strong and of good courage. And I see people who want what they want. And they don't ever seem to get it. And they try everything in the world, everything under the sun, to get things to go their way, and it just doesn't. And they're just miserable all the time. Every time they try to do something, it falls apart. Every time, when the secret to success is found there in Joshua chapter 1, verse 8, 
Read the Word. Study the Word. Think on the Word. Meditate on it. And then observe to do according to all that's written therein. For then thou shalt make thy way prosperous, and then thou shalt have good success. And i got to tell you, it works. It works. Oh, I don't have time tonight. Although I might not take time. But I'm not. It's another message. But I can tell you stories like men like R.G. Letourneau, who was a mechanic. Depression era. People were just trying to stay alive. They weren't trying to get rich. They were just trying to stay alive. And R.G. Letourneau had this idea that you could take a machine, you could build a machine that would scoop up great quantities of dirt and level out long, long, straight uh, places. And he began to build an earth-moving machine. And one day, he's out of this uh, place, and, and this herd of sheep runs across this newly plowed field. And this farmer who has plowed the field is just irate. I mean, he is so mad. He's throwing his hat on the ground. Or Turner wants to know why. And the guy said, because I have to replow where those feet stepped, where all those sheep feet stepped. He said, why is that? He said, because they got such little tiny feet. There's a lot of pressure in every footstep. And it just packs the dirt down and makes it as hard as a rock. And now they have these huge, huge rollers with spikes sticking out of them with uh, ends on them about this big around. And guess what they're called? Sheep's foot rollers. And they use them to pack down soil and gravel and rock for roadbeds. And R.G. Letourneau who had learned at a very early age that God owns everything and you give him 10% of what you get, was giving God 10%. And one year he made so much money that he ended up having to give God 20%. And the next year he made so much money he gave God 30%. And finally he took 10% of the money he made and built a college for engineers, for Christian engineers in Texas. Built the whole thing. Dormitories, classrooms, hired the professors. And he lived on 10% of his income, gave God 90%. Whoa. And he meditated on the Word of God day and night, and he sought to observe, to do according to all that is written therein. And God made his way prosperous and made him of good success. Eternal College still there. Still, still educating incredible engineers. And then there's guys like, you may have heard this guy. Everybody calls him J.C. I have no idea what his first name was. But everybody calls him J.C. And uh, if you were raised in the 
70s, then you think that means Jesus Christ, but it doesn't. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he, he raised a pig. And when they butchered the pig, he gave God 10% of the pig. And then he began selling things. He, he bought some supplies and stuff, and he started selling things. And, and he always made sure that what he sold was of the best quality for the price. Okay? If he was selling pencils for, for five for a nickel or five for a dime, he made sure those were the best pencils you could buy at that price, even though it cost everybody else more. When I need a new dress shirt, you know where I go to buy it? Up to J.C.'s. Yeah, Penny. J.C. Penny. Okay? He built an incredible retail organization based on the Word of God and supplying people with the best quality for the money. He never did claim to sell things the cheapest. He just said, if you pay this price, you're going to get the best quality for this price. You say, why do you go up there to buy your dress shirts? Because they have extra buttons on the bottom of the shirt. You say, everybody's button, everybody's shirt has two extra buttons at the bottom. No, no, this has extra button holes and buttons. Okay? You buy a dress shirt, usually it's got seven buttons and counting, including the collar button. This shirt has nine. Okay? Say, so is that important? It is when you're up and down and up and down and in and out of your car all day. Because if you're not careful, the tail of your shirt will pull out. These shirts don't. Okay? And God just honors His Word. And honors people. I remember smarting off to my mom one time. I had a pretty sharp tongue anyhow. And a pretty quick mind. And I don't remember what she said, and I don't remember what I answered. I just remember the response. Whoa. She reached around. First time in my life she ever hit me in the head, anywhere in the head. And she reached around behind me and popped my lips with her hand. I was about 15, 14, 15 years old. Stunned me. I mean, we never got hit in the face or the head. Just not where God designed for kids to get hit. And uh, I thought, okay, stunned me bad enough that I turned around and apologized immediately. And she said, Son, uh, honey, I, I want you to know it's not what you say so much as it's how you say it. The scripture says, honor your father and your mother. And if you don't do that, then you'll, your, your life will suffer. My dad said it like this. That's the woman I love. That's the woman I married. And nobody's ever going to talk to her like that again. Not even you. And that got my attention. And then he quoted the same verse, Honor thy father and thy mother, that thy days may be long upon the land which the Lord thy God giveth thee. And he said, and if you ever do it again, the days are going to seem long. Got my attention. 
But oh man, I've seen God bless so many times in so many ways just from people reading the Bible. Had this kid. I've told you about him, but I'm going to tell it again just because I want to hear it. He was flunking math, eighth grade math. And I mean, he barely passed the first quarter and barely passed the second quarter. Third class, everybody's grades go down, and his went down enough that he failed third quarter. And he comes to me and says, Brother Casey, what should I do? Is there anything you can do to help me? And I said, yeah, how, how much you spend on math every night and homework? And he said, he said, well, quite honestly, about an hour and a half. And I said, stop that. He said, what? I said, spend 30 minutes on math. You've got other assignments, I realize. Do all you can to school, but when you get home, if you start on math, spend 30 minutes, but work on it intensely. And I said, we'll see what happens with that. But what I want you to know is every morning when you get up, read the chapter in Proverbs that relates to that date. Today you would have read chapter 23. When you read the chapter for tomorrow, chapter 24, pick out a verse that just kind of jumps out at you and write it down on the front page in your notebook. And when you come to class tomorrow, I'm going to ask to see it. And you show it to me. And then when you go from class to class, every class you're in, when you open your notebook, you'll see that verse. And you ask God to speak to you about what that verse means and apply it to your life. And just see what happens. So he did. And I checked on it the next day and checked on it the next day and the next day and every day for about two weeks. And then I started checking on it about every third day. And he passed for the year. Okay? Brought his grade up. A full letter grade. Okay? Not from F to D, from F to C minus. Okay? And his parents said, Brother Casey... He used to spend all his time studying, and he just didn't get it. And now he spends 30 minutes, and sometimes he doesn't have to spend that long. And I said, I know. The Bible says if you'll take the Word of God and put it in your heart and observe to do whatever it says, you'll make your way prosperous, and you'll have good success. That's pretty simple. I don't know anybody that doesn't like being successful. No. Walls of Jericho. Joshua. Yeah, that's where we started. We come back around to Joshua. Okay? Joshua takes the children of Israel, and God says, March all the children of Israel around the city one time every day for six days. And nobody talked. Okay? There's a lot of speculation that the women got left in camp. But the Bible says everybody. They all walked around. Okay. The seventh day, they marched around seven times. And when they got around the seventh time, now let me tell you a little bit about the city of Jericho. Okay. It doesn't lessen the miracle any because God knew exactly when it was going to happen. But the city of Jericho lies in the Jordan Valley next to the Jordan River. Okay. The Jordan Valley is there because it's part of the Great Rift Valley that runs all the way through the middle of Africa. Okay? 
and you can get out to uh, the the southern part of Israel, and they have they go you go through what's called the crater. It's just part of this rift valley, but it's like two miles across. And you're driving along, and the land's just as flat as it can be, and you're going across the Negev, and all of a sudden the road goes, oop, and you go down and down and down and down, get to the bottom of this valley, and drive across the valley, and then the road goes, back up the other side. And it's part of that very same rift valley. Earthquakes there all the time. Some of them, major earthquakes. And so, if you see on Discovery Channel that the walls of Jericho fell down because there was an earthquake, we don't know if there's an earthquake or not. We do know what God's Word said, and God's Word said, when you get around the seventh time, the priest will blow the trumpet, and all the people will shout with a great shout, and the walls will fall down. Now, they have stone walls built up, several feet thick. I mean, like several, 12 feet thick, 20 feet thick. Stone walls filled in the middle with dirt. On top of that, they had baked mud bricks stacked up, going up another 15, 20 feet. And when they shouted and the priest blew the trumpets, the mud bricks fell, collapsed down on each side, and the soldiers were able to just, I mean, it's like walking up steps. You walk up, and you walk down, and you're inside the city. And they took the city virtually without a fight. And and the walls fell down all around the city except for the northwest corner. And on the northwest corner of the wall... There were some houses built into the wall. Back wall of the house is the back wall is the wall of the city. And there was a lady who lived there named Rahab, and she was a harlot. Okay? If you don't know what that means, look it up. That's what my teachers always told me. Okay? But she believed that what God had done in Egypt and what he had done at the Red Sea and what he had done in the wilderness and what he had, what he had done uh, in bringing the children of Israel to the promised land meant that God was going to give it to them and she didn't want to die with everybody else. And so she took two spies, two spies and protected them and let them down out the window on a scarlet cord, scarlet rope, and... She hung that same rope out the window the seventh day when they were marching around and around and around and around. And hers is the house that didn't fall down. And her family who were gathered in the house with her were saved. They didn't get killed. They, they, the Israeli soldiers killed everybody else. God told them to. Jericho was a wicked city. But that's not the cool part about Rahab. That's just the part that tells us how she got included in the nation of Israel. Because one of the soldiers loved her and married her. And she had a son who had a son who had a son whose name was Boaz. And Boaz had a son who had a son who had a son named David. And you follow that all the way down. And Jesus is part of the line of Rahab. By faith. 
That's why it says here, By faith the harlot Rahab perished not with them that believed not when she had received the spies with peace. And what more say? And what shall I more say? Time would fail me to tell of Gideon and of Barak and of Samson and of Jephthah and of David also and of Samuel and of the prophets who through faith subdued kingdoms, wrought righteousness, obtained promises, stopped the mouths of lions, quenched the violence of fire, escaped the edge of the sword, out of weakness were made strong, waxed valiant in fight, turned to flight the armies of the aliens, and women received their dead, raised to life again. All of that in the Old Testament. Wow. Okay, I will tell you a little bit about Barak. There was a woman who was a judge in Israel. Okay? And Barak is one of the captains of one of the tribes. And so she calls for him. And he comes and he, she says, Okay, God has told me that we need to take out the, the Syrians. Okay? They're on their way down here, and we're going to meet them, and you're going to fight them. And Barak, being the man that he was, immediately said, if you don't go, I'm not going. Okay? I mean, if you're going to war, and you can't take your mom, at least take somebody who's a strong woman. (laughs) Right? I mean, that's the only thing I can figure they got there, and, and Deborah said, okay, I'll go. But I want you to know that you won't be the hero of the battle. And I'm sure Barack thought, oh, well, okay, you can be the hero. I don't care as long as I don't get killed. And they get out there, and they, they're taking, taking on everybody, and they're in the middle of the battle. And while they're in the middle of the battle, Sisera, who's the general of the Syrian army, takes off running. Now, this is near the foot of Mount Carmel where Elijah prayed and the fire fell down, burned up the wood and the altar and all that. Okay, So it's near there, down in the valley that we call Valley of Jezreel or the Valley of Armageddon. Okay? Now, Har-Mageddon means the Mount of Megiddo. So I don't know how you can call it the Valley of the Mount, but that's what everybody calls it. So... That's what we'll call it. But it's but this battle took place there. And Sisera took off running for home. And he gets down there and, and gets in the northeast up towards Lebanon. And he's, he knows he can't turn and run the other way because all the soldiers are between him and Syria. So he's going to head north and go up through Lebanon and then cut over the mountains and get back home to Damascus. And while he's running, he just gets worn out. And there's a Bedouin's tent there. Okay? And the Bedouins understand the, the rule of hospitality. Somebody comes to your house, you give them a, a place to rest in the shade, you give them a meal to eat, you give them food, uh, water to drink or something to drink, and you just be nice to them, take care of them. And they can stay as long as they want to. That's the rule. Usually they don't stay forever, but if they do, you know, you have to be nice to them while you're trying to make them uncomfortable enough that they'll want to leave. <laughs> it's kind of a toss-up, isn't it? So he gets to this tent, and the, and the lady's husband is not there, but she understands 
how her husband would want her to do it. And so she invites him in, and he's hungry and thirsty, so she gives him food to eat, and she gives him a big jug of warm milk. Okay? Warm milk. Do you know what you give babies when you want them to go to bed? Warm milk. He, he glugged this pitcher of warm milk and said, I'm going to close my eyes just for a few minutes and then I'll be up and on my way. And he closes his eyes and he lays over. And she goes around the back of the tent where they have some extra tent stakes. Okay? And while, I don't know what kind of meal she fed him, but I, he ended up with a steak dinner. <clears throat> she takes this tent steak. And she takes her, picks up the mallet that you use to drive the stakes in the ground. And she goes back in and around. And sure enough, his eyes are still closed and he's snoring. And she puts that stake on the side of his head and drives that thing through his temples and pins him to the ground. Okay? One of the first men in history to ever wake up dead. Or maybe he didn't wake up. Anyhow, everybody heard about it. And guess who was the hero? Barack. Nope. Deborah. Nope. Jael. She's the woman that took the tent stake and drove it through his temple. And she won the battle. Yeah, Wyatt. She was, she was, wow. I mean, she was the hero of that whole war. Samson, you know about. Jephthah, you may not know about, but we'll talk about him some other time. And they did all these things by faith. It's interesting that they that it talks about Rahab and then about Barak, knowing that we were going to talk about Jael, since Barak wasn't really the hero. <laughs> but I'll read your poem. The poem that my mother typed up, and I found it in my dad's Thompson Chain Bible. But it's called Service Supreme. And it's written about a a man and his son, but I'm going to read it about a woman and her daughter just because it goes better with the message. A careful woman I ought to be. A little daughter follows me. I do not dare to go astray for fear she'll go the self-same way. I cannot once escape her eyes. Whatever she sees me do, she tries. Like me, she says, she's going to be that little girl who follows me. She thinks that I am good and fine and believes in every word of mine. The base in me, she must not see that little girl that follows me. I must remember as I go through summer sun and winter snow, I'm building for the years to be for that little girl that follows me. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord, Joshua said. How about you and your house? It's all by faith. Let's bow together in prayer. Father, we love you and thank you so much. For your word. Lord, thank you for these women who, by faith, accomplished great things. We've dealt with men for the last several weeks, but tonight, just wanted folks to know 
but the women play a very, very important part in your word and in the lives of their children. Dismiss us with your love. Bring us back safely on Sunday. In Jesus' name and for his sake, amen.